Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, hosted by longtime Northwest sports journalist Dan Viennes. News, reaction, and opinion. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Wow. I mean, that's it, right? <laughs> or as my uh, guest tonight, Michael Thompson, said uh, as soon as we got on together, holy shit. We have been waiting for this day for months and months, most of the better part of a year. We knew there would be some drama. The Seahawks with the fifth and the 20th pick in this draft and the uncertainty league-wide about how this draft class was going to fall. And we certainly got drama. We got some surprises. We got some curveballs. Um, and front and center in some of that were your Seattle Seahawks. Thanks for joining me. I am Dan Viennes. This is Seahawks Forever. We're going to react to the first the first round of the draft. And uh, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Um, as some of you can tell, we'll see if my voice lasts through this uh, program. My, uh, I've been fighting a a thing for the last few days and um, it has taken its toll today. So let me just do this. The Seahawks stick and pick at both their picks in the first round. That's one of the surprises we'll get into tonight at number five. They pass on Jalen Carter. They pass on Will Levis. They pass on Tyree Wilson. They take the corner Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois at 20. They stick and pick. They take the receiver out of Ohio state, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Lots of passionate reaction on both sides of the argument from the Seahawks fan base and some of those that I have talked to uh, tonight. Let's do this. Let's bring in uh, draft expert, friend of the show, Michael Thompson from 12th Man Rising. Oh, Michael, how you doing over there? I'm doing great. Uh, that was a blast. That was crazy. Uh, I think that was probably one of the most wild draft first round drafts that I can remember uh probably I'm trying to think you know there was the Geno Smith year uh when he was expected to be the number one quarterback and he lasted a long time you had the Aaron Rodgers year mm -hmm. it's usually the years where a quarterback has to sit there awkwardly and somebody had to do that this year uh and did not get picked in the first round and I'm sure we'll talk about him here pretty soon but it wasn't just that the trades and there's three teams that absolutely won this draft and there's one team in particular that absolutely blew it in my opinion mm, i think i know all of those teams without even talking to you about it ahead of time i think we're on the same page on some of this so i'm bittersweet right now man there's one team in, in particular <laughs> that you know very I well know. took a took a sword right into the heart of my dreams well there's essentially one team that had our draft right is that who you're talking about? There's a, there's a team that ended up with the draft that most experts thought, and you and me maybe kind of thought we would have. Anyway, before we get into that, let's do this. Let's focus on the Seahawks, and then we'll get into kind of the big picture. And then before we leave tonight, we'll look ahead to uh, best available players that fit what the Seahawks need tomorrow. And man, those needs are bigger now than ever. Uh, before we get into, um, before we bid adieu and get into day two at five. Will Anderson is off the board. The Houston Texans kind of shake up the draft. All the reports the last week or two, they were thinking about going defense at number two instead of Stroud because of his S2 scores, whatever. They take Stroud at two. That's the first surprise of the draft. The second surprise, even bigger one, we knew the Cardinals were trying like heck to trade out of the third spot. They do, 
to the Houston Texans, moving up from 12 to take Will Anderson. And then the Indianapolis Colts are on the board at four. All the reports the last couple of weeks were that they were Will Levis's spot. But they favored him because of his ability to play early because of his familiarity with pro system, pro terminology. They take Anthony Richardson. So what did we heard leading up to the draft? The Seahawks were in love with a couple of players. Will Anderson, Anthony Richardson were two of them. So the question was Jalen Carter. Do they feel comfortable enough to take him at five? They did not. They go Devin Witherspoon, which we'd heard the buzz. We'd heard the reports. Brady Anderson, Corbin Smith, saying that their sources were telling them that they were in love with Devin Witherspoon at five, so they take a corner. Don't even get me started on all the fans I've been going back and forth with over the last few weeks about whether they might take a corner at five. Let's just start there. Your initial thoughts and your thoughts now that you've had a chance to chew on it for a couple hours about the Seahawks going Witherspoon at five. So, uh, you know, I think the Devin Witherspoon pick was was stunning. Um, it's not a bad pick. It's a great pick. It just was, there was so much smoke. There wasn't smoke. There was, there was flames showing from not just like one media guy, but Daniel Jeremiah, uh, Mel Kuyper, um, the big names, even some of those smaller names in the media, not even like draft guys, just reporters that basically it was coming down to Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter. Yeah. And when the Colts kind of surprised people and took Anthony Richardson, it just made sense that we'd take Jalen Carter. Well, not so fast. And, and those character concerns and the debatable effort that he puts in all the time, depending on who you talk to. Well, that was enough of a red flag that the Seattle Seahawks decided it's not worth it. And you know what? They probably take Jalen Carter and Jerry Jones to be a huge anchor in their defensive front. Maybe they feel a little bit better about it um, or they feel like they had to, but with having him, I think they felt like, Hey, we really like Jalen Carter. We don't really know if we like the person that Jalen Carter Maybe is. And it's not just Seattle that felt that way because the Lions felt that way. They traded out. out. Yeah. And the and that was the end. They had the culture set in place to do it. So good on them. I hope he does good over there. Not too great because, you know, we're chasing him. <laughs> yeah. But with Devin Witherspoon, you're, you're getting the number one corner in the draft. Yeah. Not just any draft, but one of the best, you know, first round level of cornerback drafts and also one of the deepest drafts. I believe he was the first of four corners to go in the first round. Mm -hmm. And it's not, we still have Joey Porter Jr., who in my opinion should have been a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, there's still Clark Phillips from Utah. There's still a lot of good, Julius Brents is a guy I would have definitely been interested at 52. To get Devin Witherspoon, the most physical corner in this draft, the clear best zone coverage corner in this draft, did not give up any touchdowns this regular season, defended 14 passes. Did he have an easy schedule in the Big Ten? Yes. Did he face some good quarterbacks? Yeah. He did not face C.J. Stroud. That is a little bit of a bummer. But against Michigan, he was the best player on the field. And that's a Michigan team that had – a guy go in the first round today. We'll have multiple guys go in the first round next year. We'll have multiple guys get drafted this weekend. He is great. He is at worst a very, very good number two, and at best is a shutdown number one corner. Yeah. And hey, you already have a shutdown number one corner in Tariq Woolen. Mm -hmm. 
And so I know there's some people that were like, man, we could have gotten a Jalen Carter. This was not the draft to be picking an edge rusher after Will Anderson, especially with some of the concerns of Tyree Wilson's foot, which sounds really bad. I think one scout had a doctor say it was mangled basically. Mm. So I've always liked Tyree Wilson. You know, I've liked him, Yeah. but at this point in the draft, we now have arguably the best one, two punch in the cornerback room in the league. Yeah. And that's, that's super exciting because we're not in the, we're not in the conference with all the great quarterbacks. We're in the conference with all the shitty quarterbacks. Right. Right. So they're already going to have a hard time passing against Tariq Wollin. Now they got Tariq Wollin and Devin Witherspoon. That is some, he may not be the biggest corner, but he plays like a Tariq Wollin, the way how he physically plays. And that brings an attitude that you knew Pete Carroll was absolutely going to love. And and now they have the flexibility to dominate in their zone that Pete loves or go man and get really aggressive and getting after the quarterback with maybe not having the ultimate pass rusher that we were hoping, you and I were hoping for, maybe to get in this draft round one. But a, a legit shutdown corner. I think I posted it on Twitter. The Sea of Thieves, man. That's what they're going to be this year, those two. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, I think, the key word, and that's attitude. Um, I think that's what it came down to. You know, Jalen Carter, I think, in in every football aspect of how you evaluate a prospect was exactly what the Seahawks needed and wanted on this roster, especially with the holes they have right now on the defensive line. I think they just had major questions about his commitment to the game and his passion for the game. We've heard, and this doesn't just go back to 2017 and Malik McDowell. This goes back to their over. It it encompasses their entire tenure here where you'll hear Schneider. One of the first things that come out of his mouth when he's talking about a draft prospect that he likes, or even a free agent signing is that he loves ball. He loves ball. He's driven to be great. And they weren't sure about that when it came to Jalen Carter. And time will tell. We'll find out. He could go on and make 10 All-Pros and be a Hall of Famer. And we may look back on this pick and, and wish we had taken him. That's just how drafts work. That's how the game works. That's that's how it works. You can only do the best thing that you can do in the moment. And I think in contrast with that, Witherspoon's attitude, his tenacity, how he attacks the game of football, and the fact that he... I think two things happened today, and I'm not saying this was a deciding factor, but it was reported, or, or Jalen Carter in an interview talked about how he wanted to be in Philly. Didn't mention Seattle. Talked about Philly as the place he wanted to be. Devin Witherspoon was the exact opposite. Talked about how Seattle was the best fit, the best visit he had, the best connection he had. This is where he wanted to be. I think that's that was a big factor. Also, John yep. Schneider, John Schneider was adamant this offseason that they were going to take best player available and not push. They must have felt that Carter was a push. Now, here's, here's I will say this. I think what I believe in my heart and in my head is the Seahawks draft board looked like this. Will Anderson was probably number one. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson was probably number two. And Devin that was Witherspoon, stunning. stunning, by the way. And Devin Witherspoon was three. And I think when Richardson... When the, when, the, the, when the Texans made the move up and got Anderson, and when Richardson instead of Levis was the pick by Indy, I think they tried like hell to trade down because they went down to the last minute on the clock. And they ended up sticking and picking the best guy on their board, and that's Witherspoon, thinking this guy's going to impact our locker room. He is tenacious, and you said it. Teams stop throwing his way. 
I read mm-hmm. some reports from Bruce Feldman today, quotes from other coaches in the Big Ten who coached against him, who said on our scouting report, we wrote a big red X. We didn't go his way. We mm-hmm. just didn't go his way. They didn't. Those scouting reports didn't look like that from opposing coaches facing Christian Gonzalez, Emmanuel Forbes, Joey Porter. They didn't. Devin Witherspoon's that guy, and they took best player available, and they'll figure the rest out later. That's That was the, the thought at the pick. I love the player. We're going to talk a little bit more about big picture and how that fits with everything else. Yeah, and I think it's important, because I know something you and I had talked about for a long time, was can you trade back with Denver, or not Denver, with Las Vegas yeah. Um, yeah. for a quarterback, or would Philly be interested in trading up all the way to five to get Jalen Carter? I think there's just too much baggage with Jalen Carter, and I think it was really interesting what you said is Jalen Carter came to Seattle, and I don't think we heard much about how that visit went. We were all really excited. Yeah. We thought, hey, he's coming out here, but if you don't love ball, you're not going to mesh with the Seahawks leadership structure. And I feel like they're a group that snuffs that out real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that, you know, it's, it's so clear listening to DK Metcalf when he talks on the Colin Cowherd show and stuff like, you know, he basically told it Cowherd's buddy McIntyre. I don't give a shit about Aaron Rodgers. I play for the Seattle Seahawks. Like just kind of, you know, he, they want guys that want to be ballers. They want to play for the Seahawks. But right after Devin Witherspoon visited Seattle, we heard Brady Henderson from ESPN.com make a mention, just a little blurb. You know, they really like him. And and I think to get that nugget two and a half, three weeks before the draft might have been something that, or four weeks, might have just slipped through the cracks a little bit. And I know we kind of, you know, us that are obsessive about it, but just little, little hints of, of it. And how about all those people that say Pete Carroll and John Schneider never draft a cornerback uh. in the first round? Trust me, when, when we're done here, when we're done here tonight, I'm going to go through my bookmarks on Twitter and find receipts because I've been saving them. I have once the reports about Devin Witherspoon came out and the Brady Henderson report came and then that was piggybacked by Corbin Smith telling me he was hearing the same things from his. Sources. Right. Exactly. You talked you guys talked about it in your on your show. Yeah. You know, it, it picked up and then it just disappeared because I think was it right after that Jalen Carter visited. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting or it's important to differentiate between those hard reports from, from two guys who are beat reporters who cover the team, who have contacts close to the team that they trust. They were reporting that the Seahawks didn't just like Witherspoon, loved him. Loved him. I think there's, it's different than all the buzz around Carter and Carter being the consensus mock draft to Seattle at five, because of assumptions people were making. Mm-hmm. None of that was based on hard reporting or sourcing or things I'm hearing or buzz. It was all conjecture. It was all conjecture. Even Daniel Jeremiah this morning said, half the executives in football talk to me, uh, tell me that they think Carter's a pick at five for Seattle. Half of them mm-hmm. think that they don't, he's not on their board. And so that's the kind of draft it was. And I think the same could be said for Tyree Wilson and how he fits in the scheme and maybe his foot issue. And so... When Schneider talks about best player available, I don't think he's kidding. But this wasn't just a nice player. This wasn't just a player who tested well and has some nice film. This was, I talked about it on my live stream today. Uh, I have three favorite uh, prospects in this draft that their film just like excited me. And then there's maybe a fourth. And, And one of those is Devin Witherspoon. And his... Just his ability to come up and hit and his physicality and his instincts and his ability, his 
ball. He has he has everything. He's the whole package. Mm-hmm. If he was two inches taller and twenty pounds heavier, he might have been the second or third pick. Right. Like, exactly. He the only thing holding him back was that he's you know five eleven one eighty or one eighty three or whatever he is, but he's he's a guy that looks. You, you just you turn on the tape and you see greatness, and you can argue all day long about how they haven't taken corners that high. And my argument is this. They haven't had a chance to. They've never had the the opportunity to draft this high. We've been too good. And take a player like this. If Sauce Gardner had fallen to nine last year, they would have taken him. This was not some organizational philosophy that we're never going to take a corner over, you know, above the third round when we took Shaq Griffin at 90, because Mm -hmm. that's just not what we believe. It just hasn't fallen that way. And so... Those people who believed that were wrong. And second of all, there's a lot of people out there, not a lot. I think most of the fan base that I've heard back from likes the pick because they like the player. But there's still people that are not willing to accept the pick simply because of preconceived notions and historically held beliefs without knowing anything about the player without watching tape. Yeah, and you're not, you know, unless you're a diehard fan, you're probably not watching at, you know, 9 a.m. Illinois playing Northwestern. Sure. You know, and Illinois was not. But you can good. watch a three minute YouTube highlight video if you want to. And a lot of and those, a lot of people will be tonight. Hey, and you know what? Go ahead and do it, Seahawk fans, because yeah. he's got one of the most enjoyable tapes. Yeah. The hit he lays on the Michigan running back blitzing hmm. is. Knocks the ball loose. Yeah, you're like, oh man, who's that yeah, yeah. box safety that just <laughs> laid him out? Oh no, that's, that's, that looks like an outside oh, linebacker. Oh, right. Yeah, the way he baits receivers and, and, or I'm sorry, quarterbacks in, in the zone. It's, it's, I wrote an article a week ago, um, a mock draft kind of basing all the rumors that we were hearing. And the main rumor we were hearing was Devin Witherspoon. So I kind of was like, Oh, I'll make a mock about it and talked about it. And I watched a lot of his tape and that dude plays the zone like a young Richard Sherman. He's not going to be Richard Sherman. The odds of that are very low, but the way he plays that zone from that side of the field, it's, it's shut down. You do not run slants. On this man, this man times it perfectly. You go watch any of those tapes. About half the video are his interceptions and his big hits, and the other half is just him, bang bang every time on a on a stop route, a button hook, whatever you want to call those little those little out routes, yeah. those those slants. You do not get anything under seven yards on him. He closes too fast. You do not go deep on him, and if you do go deep on him, we've got you know. Uh, Julian or Julian Love. I keep thinking Jordan Love. That's quarterback. Julian Love right. um, of the Giants. We've got Quandre Diggs. Like this, this safety and secondary group is looking nasty. Like Kobe Bryant and and uh, Michael Jackson are, are going to be fighting for the third and fourth. You know Trey Brown. Yeah. Like we're deep. Someone's getting traded for sure. But but really quick on the on the cornerback thing. He was uh, Devin. He was my sixth rated prospect. I still had Tyree Wilson fifth because I wasn't sure about the foot. And that, yeah. that was some late stuff. So I think the value in, in the ranking, it's not like we got, it's not like the Bruce Irvin pick from back in the day where we're at pick number 15 or right. whatever it is. We're getting the 40th ranked guy. No one's it, calling this a reach. Nobody. Is. No, no, it fits. And you are getting the clear best player at, and I think the first time you and I ever did a podcast, you ever had me on your, your show. I told you the most important positions, it's quarterback, it's the trenches, 
and it's the people that make the difference 20 to 40 yards down the field. Can you make those catches as a receiver or a special tight end? And can you stop those from happening as a cornerback in Seattle? There's a legitimate case by the end of this year. Seattle has probably two of like the 15 best cornerbacks in football I'll with say. the best, the best secondary coach yeah. in maybe the history of football in, yeah. in Pete Carroll. Like, I mean, it is a perfect match best player available at a, in my opinion, a premium position for all those trench must've been, it had to be a trench no matter what haters right now, just be patient. Tomorrow is a new day. Well, and I'll say we're going to get to the big picture and that's what I want to. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the picks in a vacuum. And then at the end, we're going to get into the big picture and kind of Mm -hmm. give it some context and where it fits because look, there are some concerns about how this pick fits into Mm -hmm. the context of the roster, some serious concerns, but I will just Mm -hmm. say this and then we're going to move on to pick 20. I'll make a bold prediction. It's not a prediction. It's just a, it's a statement, take whatever you want to call it. Ooh, I know you think I have an idea. I think it's, it's very plausible that a year or two from now, that we're going to be talking about how Tariq Woolen's the second best corner on this roster. That's how good I think Devin Witherspoon is. And, and just the ability to have two guys that have all pro caliber level. You know, they were talking a lot on the draft today. I saw a pre-draft interview with Sauce Gardner, and they were talking about how what a great combo you and DJ Reed are. Are you kidding me? GMs are going to kill to have a combo like Witherspoon and Woolen. And I think uh, that's going to allow us to do a lot of things on defense. So we go from there, then we go to pick 20. And what was interesting about the what happened between 5 and 20 is we didn't really have some of the positional runs that we thought we were going to have. And we also had Will Levis dropping. So by the time we get to 20, all the talk about what the Seahawks were going to do at five. And I did a show a couple weeks ago about how Will Levis was in the conversation at five. So I thought he was maybe going to be a factor. And then you only had two defensive front seven players. Well, three, if you count a linebacker, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, that went off the board between five and 20. Uh, Lucas Van Ness at 13. Will McDonald at 15, which I thought was a little high for him. I think McDonald really would have been in play. I think both those players would have been in play at 20 and probably had a pretty substantial place on the Seahawks board. So they get to 20. There's a ton of defensive linemen still left on the board. There's all the centers, which there were those reports a couple of weeks ago that maybe 20 was the sweet spot. They were afraid that Schmitz and Tittman might not make it to 37. They might look to trade back. They worked the clock down to less than 30 seconds left. So they were trying like heck to trade back. That's pretty obvious. They end up, they end up taking the pick at 20 and they take Jackson Smith and Jimba. And here's what I'll say real quickly. And then I want your thoughts. There was a period of time, you know, and it's obviously been a roller coaster the last few, few months. And as you evaluate prospects and you look at trends and you look at how, the mocks are working out that 20 seemed like a spot that receiver made sense. Cause that's where the run was going to start. And maybe that's where the value was. And the defensive linemen that were available at 20 might've been a little too late for the good ones. It might've been a little too early to get to the next ledge. I've probably mocked, mocked JSN to Seattle at 20 50 times. Mm-hmm. out of my hundreds of mocks I've done. I got away from that the last couple of weeks because I kind of went to a return to basics sort of 
um, idea, and I've, I've really stuck to the trenches. So my, I was surprised by my initial reaction. I was, I was screaming out loud. Like I was excited because I love the player, but what was your initial reaction to the pick and also what's your evaluation of the player? Uh, a Tiger Woods fist bump, a run around the living room and my <laughs> wife asking me, are you all right? And I was like, we got Jackson Smith and Jigba. She's like, you got, you got what's wrong with you? I said, we got Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right. Um, that was me too. Yeah. So I have Jackson Smith and Jigba as my number 11 prospect in this entire draft. Okay. We call that real good value yeah. at pick 20. Yeah. And, and you nailed it, Dan. Uh, pick 20 had the potential to be the beginning of the receiving and pass catching pass, you know, tight end run. Yeah. And it did. None of the I tight ends have been taken by that point. Yeah. No, which, which was really surprising. Um, you know, I thought it was really funny. I, I, I thought green Bay and I thought the jets were going to, we're going to grab the first receiver or tight end. Yeah. You know, you bring in Aaron Rodgers and he bitched and moaned forever that they always took defense. And what did the jets do? They take a defensive player, yeah, which is which is hilarious. And and Will McDonald, I think you and I are a little bit different on our views on him. Um, I, I I'm I think he's a decent player, um, but I would definitely not take him with the the pick that they had number fifteen. And uh, Green Bay, hey Aaron Rodgers, we take defense in the first round. You don't like it, you can leave. He right. leaves. They got a rookie, you know, a, a fresh quarterback in there in Jordan Love. And what do they do? They take another solid defensive player in Lucas Van Ness. Like right. just. Things that I thought were going to happen offensively and some trends, they didn't happen. I just was stunned to see Jackson still there because I think he is a sizable, you know, stack ahead of the Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addis, Addison, uh, all these other receivers that are going to be going here. Yeah. Um, for we the rest started. Of the we round. started the run. And we started we, it. It went four receivers in a row: Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, right after us. Right, and and I was stunned. Uh, one because you know it was a happy stun, but that's not typically the type of wide receiver Seattle goes for. Uh, mm. Seattle, you know, uh, J- John has a history of going for the home run deep threats. People the traits, forget the traits guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the Paul Richardson's, the, yeah. those type of tiny, the, those would, that's basically a Jalen Hyatt this year, I think is a, is a good comp. For- and I think in Jigba, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this might be the first receiver that John Schneider, Pete Carroll have ever drafted that, yes. that ran uh, more than a, or higher than a four, four. Yes. Yeah. And, and the four, four is, is kind of been with him his entire collegiate career. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, he caught, you know, 13 passes for 347 yards, a bunch of touchdowns against Clark Phillips in the Rose Bowl. But uh, but no, he only runs a 4-4-5 or a 4-4-6 where, you know, some of the other guys, they hit below. But what they don't talk about is his 20-yard shuttle at a 3.93. Yeah. His three cone at a 6.57. So, you know, that might be a little bit too inside football for some people. That basically means... What is his ability to separate and get open in short yardage, quick, you know, sudden moves? Essentially, what's his ability to move the chains, break one tackle, or run a slant or an in and out? As as I'm wearing a Doug Baldwin jersey. The reason right. why I'm wearing that yeah. tonight is because the Seattle Seahawks got Doug Baldwin on steroids. Um, uh, uh, Jackson Smith's and Jigba's combine numbers are very similar to Julian Edelman's. 
which people at first are like, oh, interesting. Well, then you kind of remember, well, Julian Edelman is kind of a borderline Hall of Famer if you include yeah. playoff stats. Like that dude. And that's what he is. He's a slot, right? That, yes. He, yeah. that Julian Edelman is one of the greatest slot receivers of all time. That dude converted so many first downs and was a beast, an underrated beast in the red zone. And that is what Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah, he's got some fans be. up here behind him already. Uh, Geno right. Smith cooks in the middle. Sorry. You now have DK going deep. You've got Lockett running his deep middle routes or his, you know, deep comebacks, yeah. all those things that he, you know, beautiful things that you got probably for one more year than you will see in the future. Right. But then you got Jackson Smith and Jigba who might be day one, one of the two or three best slot receivers in the NFL. Because you can't double him. There's no way you can double Metcalf because Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to catch 100 balls. Yeah. And Tyler Lockett's going to catch 100 balls. And we're going to be in the red zone every time down. You double Lockett, well, DK Metcalf's going to beat you over the top. Yeah. So we, we've created, you know, a, a, an offense with three legitimate receivers. I cannot remember the last time we had three legitimate receivers that we were stoked about. Like, I mean, in this offense, yeah. isn't he like even even yes. physically very similar in this offense? Isn't he Cooper Cup? Exactly. He is Cooper Cup may not have. <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see. There's some special stuff with Cooper Cup you know, that just didn't get noticed because he was at Eastern Washington. Right. But a lot of the measurables are the same. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're too far off. Like Cooper cup is probably like the very best in his prime of, or is, is his like really good is probably Julian Edelman's very best. Yeah. You know, I, I, he's kind of that on steroids. I mean, we'll never forget that Super Bowl performance he had. I mean, it's an all time great thing. And like, that's not what you're going to get every day, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's going to catch probably this year 70 to 85 balls, probably close to 1,000 yards, and that's going to be rookie of the year stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think he starts from day one, and um, it, I, I think I think on its surface, what I'm excited about is I think the Seahawks came away from the, from the first round of the draft, and, you know, you can talk all you want about they tried to trade down from both spots. So did they settle right, yeah. for these players? But look, at the end of the day, they got the best corner in the draft and they got the best wide receiver in the draft. And I think you're going to find out later too, for anyone that says Witherspoon might've been available a little bit later, this is what John Snyder's great at. You're going to hear stories over the next few days. I promise you. Well, the Lions were going to take him at six. Well, the Raiders were going to, like that they couldn't, move back too far if this is the guy they wanted. So you get the best corner in the draft, the best receiver in the draft, two dynamic players, but you didn't address your biggest needs. You passed on other linemen, right? You chose not to take Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson. You chose not to take Miles Murphy, Brian Brzee, Mazzy Smith, guys that could help on the defensive line, guys that the fans love, and a, and a position on this roster that is sorely lacking. How do you justify that today? I justify it because with saying I got the safest, the highest floor, and the highest ceiling at two of the five most important positions in the NFL, right? We feel set at quarterback this season. Yeah, and that's a good, I mean, that is a fair point. Corner, cornerback was deep and they what, but hey, there's a difference. Want, yeah, that's why I wanted to put up there. I think I yeah, think this is yeah. this is a common this is a common um, 
uh, refrain that I'm hearing, but mm-hmm. I, but real quick, I just come back to this. I don't care about positional depth. If you think a player can be special, then, and he's the highest rated player on your board at that time, you take him. I think Devin Witherspoon can be a perennial all pro. I might be wrong. Jalen Carter might go on to a hall of fame career. Devin Witherspoon might turn out to be an average starter. Time will tell. But as I sit here today, that's why I think the Seahawks took him. Because for all the fans that thought Joey Porter should be taken at five, or Christian Gonzalez at five, he lasted to 14. Other teams didn't agree. I think Witherspoon is special. That's why positional value does not matter. Okay, continue. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you, you get, you know, and again, I know people might disagree with me, but a shutdown corner changes the fate, you know, the the way you view your defense. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks did not have a great rush defense. And I believe their points per game ended up being like 20, 21 or 18 or something like that. I have to go back and check. That's not what you should have when you have the second worst rush defense in the NFL. And that's what happens when you have a shutdown corner that you do not pass on in Tariq Woolen and he forces turnovers, right? You know, having a good offense helps. And now we have another guy that is technically a, a, a much better prospect than Tariq Woolen, right? You get those diamonds in the rough. That's awesome. But what Devin Witherspoon brings is you can't just now focus. We saw it in the second half this year. People were only throwing to one side of the field. They were not even challenging yeah. Tariq Woolen. Mahomes tried one time, and he had a wide-open touchdown, and Tariq Woolen said, oh, I'm going to turn him on my Superman speed. And Mahomes said, ah, screw this. I'm not messing with him the rest of the game. You can't do that now when you have the best cornerback in the draft on the other side who may not be Sauce Gardner. He may not be Derek Stingley, but he's right behind them in terms of that prospects. There is a gap between Devin Witherspoon and Carlos Gonzalez. And I love Carlos Gonzalez. There is a big gap between Devin Witherspoon and Joey Porter Jr. And I like Joey Porter Jr., right? right? You can get some nice appetizers, but we got the steak at one of the most valuable positions in the NFL in, in shutting down the passing. Okay. This is the national football league where people throw and it's the all NFC the West. I mean, we play in a division with some of the best passing scheme coordinators in the oh, league, yeah. right? We mm-hmm. have to face the Rams, the 49ers four times a year. We have to face when he gets healthy, Kyler Murray two, you know, six times a year, those teams in our division. And we, we now with Julian, with the additions of Julian love and Devin Witherspoon, we now match up with those teams better on the back end. But let me ask you this then. Mm-hmm. How concerned are you that we have to go to bed tonight mm-hmm. and we didn't address the front seven? <clears throat> it's, it's, it is, it's in the <laughs> That's back a of my long mind. pause, my friend. Right. Yeah. I know, man. <laughs> it is. It's it, a big deal. Again, this is, this is the most surprising. Seahawks draft of the Pete Carroll and John Schneider era since last year. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say last year is because we, we all thought, Oh, they're going to take a, you know, a third round offensive lineman yeah. with the number 10, you know, they went, they completely, you know, they took the mask off and they said, Hey, we're, we're done playing around. We're going to actually draft really well from now on. But this in more in all seriousness, this draft was stunning because Everything Pete and John had said after the 49ers game was we're going to, we got to fix that. Yeah. We got to fix the trenches. 
we got beat inside. We have to figure out a way to protect right. against the Donalds, the Bosa's of the world, whatever, you know, I thought Arizona was going to have, you know, Will Anderson potentially. Thank you for being stupid. Arizona, keep doing yourself, do what you do. Um, but at the same time, we got way better today. You know, we got a number one corner. We've got what I believe will be the number one receiver in Seattle, probably by the end of 2024, 2025. Okay, let's let's not get our is a very that's too much. But from a perspective of the trenches, it is a little bit concerning because I think, unfortunately, that John, and I might be wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling John and Pete think that the offensive line is is fine, that it's going to be good enough this year with Evan Brown replacing Austin Blythe and with Phil Haynes at right guard. I still think they'll take an offensive line guy uh, at some point in this draft. I think in the second round, we are very likely going to see a defensive end and a nose tackle or a defensive tackle. That is what I believe. Doesn't mean we don't take a center uh, at pick 83 or 123. You know, maybe a Luke Whipler is around there from Ohio State or an Olu Oluwatimi from Michigan. Yeah. You know, there's there's still some good guys there. But at the same point where, you know, I think a lot of people are nervous, you got to remember this draft was built on having three or four quarterbacks, three now, quarterbacks that were going to go in the top five a sizable gap of decent with but not a whole lot of blue chip players and then right after about to pick 28 29 once you get into the 30s all the way to the 70s it is solid value you could see guys going at pick number 30 on one team that they have at 30 and then the other team might have him at 62 like it's that much of a of a of a swell of of decent players that are very similar yeah. you still got on the defensive line as options uh, i have on my big board here um, next up on my list, I've got uh, you know Keon White. He's still there. We've got we've got what five picks to go, six picks to go. Yeah, here I've got uh, NFL.com, and, and this is based oh, on their based on their grades. But let's go to uh, let's go to undrafted players, and first let's go defensive tackle because I think that's yeah. so. Again, let's reassess the the, the roster. They even they even let uh, Jared Hewitt Hewitt go the other day. So literally all they have on the roster right now. Uh, with Brian Monet being on injured reserve, is Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, good start, and Miles yeah. Adams. That's it. They usually carry six interior defensive linemen, right? Not including edges, defensive ends, whatever. So they just they literally need three players. They're not gonna they're not gonna fill all those picks with rookies. There's going to be some free agent signings after the draft. That's that's another show that we'll do after the draft. But here's what NFL.com shows as best available with the Seahawks with the 37th pick, which would be the sixth pick tomorrow mm-hmm. in the draft. Uh, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, Zach Pickens out of South Carolina. They have had meetings with both of those players. Siaki mm-hmm. Ika, who's more of a two down interior, true nose tackle. Cam Young out of Mississippi state who more of a nose tackle. They have also had a meeting with uh, Adi Adi, a devil war, right? He's a guy mm-hmm. the Seahawks have met with. He's still yep. on the board. Byron Young out of Alabama. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. Um, Moro Ajoma, who we like. So there's there's still some depth here. But have let me ask you it this way. 
Have they painted themselves into a corner where because they took liberties in the first round to take best player available, regardless of position, now they have to draft for need? Because it's possible they could get to 37 and Will Levis and Hendon Hooker are both still on the board. But you can't take a quarterback there because do you feel like they've painted themselves now into a corner and there's so much pressure that they have to address defensive line? No, I, I don't believe so. And and I think maybe I'm, I'm thinking about it more from an optimistic point of view. But when you have... Which I usually am right, too, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's, when, it's when a you little have, hard right when now. You, when you have the, the fortune of having four top 52 picks, right. I fully expect you to have two baseline. You got to fill, you know, some needs and then probably one more... Uh, need and then maybe one like cherry pick and you know i think in seattle and in the seahawks fans eyes we cherry picked twice there we didn't have to get a wide receiver even though i think you and i know you know they're probably going to need another receiver here soon and they didn't have to get a cornerback but maybe seattle felt like hey man we do need another cornerback because kobe bryant or michael jackson or trey brown are are at this level, but they're never going to get to that level. And we feel it is a bigger problem and we can figure out our trench. You know, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about yeah. solidifying the trenches here in the, in the next on Friday, which is day two and day three, which is right now five picks. And so I view that as I have five picks and, or I'm sorry, I have three picks. <laughs> I wish it was five picks. Yeah. I have three picks and I need to get, in my opinion, an interior offensive lineman, a, defensive tackle and it would be nice to get an edge rusher yeah. or a, or a, a three, four defensive end, which I think we're still going to be in a three, four. It'd be nice to get I don't a know. Nice, Richard, Richard Sherman says we might be switching back to the old scheme. I know. So I know, right. I think we'll know more about that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And then, or, you know, it'd be nice to get a linebacker. Um, right. I'm, I'm not. I'm not dumb enough to take a linebacker at pick uh, 18, 19, or twenty. Whatever. Who would have done that? Yeah, know, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I look here at, at pick at, uh, thirty-seven. All yeah. right. If you told me Keanu Benton is there at thirty-seven, I think very good chance that is possible. If he's not, he's not. But I think there's a good chance he could be there in six picks, and I think that'd be a tremendous value. That's one of the best players available on he's, my board. He's the guy and he that it's a need. Yeah, he's the guy that as nervous as I am right now about that position group, if he's the pick at 37, I will let out a massive just a just a I'll just exhale, mm-hmm. you know? I'll I'll feel so much better about where that position group is because I think he's the one guy left on this board that's a difference maker and he might be the closest thing to what Jalen Carter is I think he's a similar frame, similar versatility. I'm not saying he's going to be the player Jalen Carter, Carter is, but there's no questioning this guy's work ethic and motor and everything else. And I think his versatility would be scheme versatile, whether they decide to go with the 3-4-4-3 or a hybrid. Uh, he's the one guy that I've loved all through this process. If they were to take him at 37, I will feel much better about my hesitation that they've neglected this position right, yeah. group. Yeah. And and again, we're talking, I, and I wrote about it in my, my draft day manifesto at 12th man rising. The second day was all about trying to find, fill a need as close as you can with, with the, 
the best player available in yeah. that value. And Keanu Ben at 37, that that matches. That's not going to be too far off. Yeah. I, I, I have it right over here. Um, I think I have him at 39. Like it's it's not that far far off. It, it makes sense in my opinion. Oh no, I got. I'm sorry, I got him at 25. 25. Okay. I've got him at 25. That would, I'd be stoked. Um, I would really keep an eye on Ade Ade. Yeah. Um, I, I really think there's a good chance that Seattle takes him. Um, but then you go farther down that list. You know, I think Keanu and Ade. I'd be surprised if either of them made it to 52. Yeah, but I think Pickens yeah. is there at fifty-two. I think yeah. Ika is there at fifty-two, and that's good value. I think Cameron Young's a guy that they were uh, some reports they liked, right? Or he visited. They had, or him in, they had him in for a thirty visit. When they did that, he was kind of a consensus like fifth round mm-hmm. pick, and now he's rising, mm-hmm. and now he's considered a third rounder probably all day long. Um, so would you be upset if if they got him at pick eighty-three? No, it, it to me it's not again, Keanu, but it, yeah. Right. And I've talked about this on my show. Like, I try not to overreact to each and every pick in a vacuum and just judge the player. And then let's see what the list looks like at the end. Because, (laughs) and and let's take a look at what NFL.com calls defensive ends. Yeah. Um, Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of value here. Um, Yeah. Probably want to go to edge. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's weird the way they delineate or differentiate defensive ends. This is like Zam. Mm-hmm. They go to Isaiah McGuire, Mike Morris. Those guys are generally considered fourth, fifth rounders. Colby yeah. wouldn't. Uh, but if you go to Edge, now you're talking Keon White. Now no, you're see, talking. Now look at that gold mine. Now right you're talking Tuli Tua Peloto, Tua Peloto, which if they are transitioning back to more of the old scheme, is a fit. You're talking um, Derek Hall is more of a pure edge rusher. But mm-hmm. some of these guys, Byron Young, who they met with, he's an older mm-hmm. prospect, but he played day one. He'd be able to contribute KJ Henry, who I know you like. Now we're talking about some guys. Um, it's uh, just deep there. Deep. Look at Dylan Horton and Zach Harrison, how far down they are. So you mm-hmm. can still address edge. Ollie Gay has like freak arms. They're like 37 inch yeah. arms, I believe. DJ Johnson's really climbing mm-hmm. uh, as a guy who's really athletic, uh, can play the five or the three technique. So to me, then, the, the yeah. de- defensive tackle is the most shallow group and you have to address it. You got to get one of these guys on this list tomorrow. In my opinion, you have to, or I'm pretty nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tomorrow that would be 37, 52 and 83. Yeah. <clears throat> so here's, here's, here's the three people I have my eye on right now um, at pick 37. And in my, this is just how I going off my rankings. I've got Keon white ranked number 19 on my board. Yeah. You know, I love it. like you, you've, you, you, you can play inside. You have outside. convinced me with him and with Benton. Either of those guys, I don't think those are day one starters. I think those are day one impact players. Maybe yeah. not pro bowlers, but I think those like, guys like Moffat was. Like Moffat. The rotational guy. Yeah, I, I would probably even go higher than that. But also Bruce Urban, you know, loved the guy. He kind of stunted Moffat a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Towards the end of the season in that playoff, Moffat yeah. looked great. Yeah. So the versatility of a key on white. I think I would take over Benton at 37, Mm. but Benton is right there too. Don't forget. There's still some also really good offensive linemen there that really fit what Shane Waldron and this offense is trying. Well, we get, we got to get one of these centers. Let's pull this. Let's pull this. There's uh, also a certain, nobody has taken a center yet Talked about for all of uh, say that again, the right tackle. 
there's a certain right tackle yeah. that if yeah. we want to get weird with it, I'm just, I'm just saying you want to, you want to run eight yards of carry. Hey, so let's talk about center first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody took one. And for all of the buzz about how mm-hmm. Schmitz and Tippmann were probably going to leak into the back end of the first round, this is really playing in the Seahawks favor. And, and this is something that as much as you and I just spent like five minutes talking about defensive tackle, what a need it is. And it is a panic level DEFCON 5 need. Yes, at Seahawks fan base for sure. If 37 is a center, again, we just showed you the depth. We can still address that position later. But all of the best centers are still on this on this board. And if you could get a 10-year starting foundational long-term center at 37, uh, I'd be happy with that. However, I will say this. I think, you know, Evan Brown was signed to a one-year deal. I kind of, once I looked into him and, and, and uh, as a player and, and his age and how well he played at center for the Detroit Lions two years ago, like I'm kind of disappointed it wasn't a three-year deal. We might be having a different conversation here. I lean, and I kind of have done this throughout the process. You know this. A lot of people want John Michael Schmitz. He's going to be 25 this year. I lean Joe Tippmann. He's 22. Let's take the younger guy. Because Evan Brown can start for a year if he has to. Tipman can play right guard if he's better than Phil Haynes. As a, Evan as Brown a, can play as guard a rookie. as well. Evan Brown can play guard as well, too. Um, so uh, my point was just, if you go center at 37 to get the best guy, because we just talked about it. The Seahawks have an opportunity here. And this is, this is fantasy football stuff. They have an opportunity to come out with the best corner in the draft, the best wide receiver in the draft, by consensus boards and the best center in the draft in their first That's three picks. That's Madden NFL right there. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. And and still address defensive tackle. And and then maybe what they'll do later on too, and we'll talk about this later on, is is um is double down on it like they did against ta- in tackle. And, but but and look, I'll, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's I, a lot I, of value still left on the board for sure. And I, I think if we're being honest right now, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I was pretty stunned today with the Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. uh, selection. I think I think Tipman is probably my favorite for that pick. Not yeah. my choice, but I, I have a really strong gut feeling that 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 might be the route they go. Um, Although I have know, another, I have an. Oh wait, I think I, I think I was okay. Were you talking about Dewan Jones as your tackle? Are we talking about we Cody get, Mock? If we want to get if we want to get weird with it. Yeah. I was talking about Dewan Jones. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was having this conversation with someone just the other day. Look, I don't want to get too deep into this, but we know the Seahawks, I think it was their first top 30 visit was Dewan mm-hmm. Jones. They threw everybody for a loop. It's like, wait a minute. Abe Lucas was was such a great pick at, in the third round last year and one of the best right tackles in the league, maybe. Certainly one of the best rookies and maybe even better than Charles Cross at left tackle. Uh, he's never played guard, but I think his traits... If you want to take a guy like Dewan Jones that you think is a dominant right tackle and move Abe Lucas into guard, I think Abe Lucas then becomes an all-pro guard at some point in his career. But that's, yeah. I'd be stunned if it happens, but it'd be so much right. fun to watch. Uh, but when we were talking about centers earlier, I keep, just because it wasn't in their positional mm-hmm. grouping here on the website, uh, you know, I'm a huge Cody Mock fan, and he can play just about anything along the line, and I'd be excited if he was the pick tomorrow too as well. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we've kind of taken a look at some guys that we like for tomorrow. Um, But since we've been on the air now, Pete and John have done their post round one press conference. And it's always, it's kind of the drawback of doing these live reactions as you miss out on that. And I'll have to go back and listen to it, but you have got some of the things they've had to say about their process and about the players they took today. What, what have they said? On, is it Devin or Devon? It's, I think it's Devin. Devin. Okay. So yeah. Pete care, uh, compares Devin Witherspoon to Troy Palomalu in terms of style and play recognition. Wow. For those that don't know, that is one of the greatest safeties to ever <laughs> play football. Who just <clears throat> played with his hair on fire the whole time. And then that's not literally a re- not yeah. a reference to his dreads at all. Top 30 visit was key complete insider out. Uh, JSN is a clear slot player. So no good kind of misunderstanding that that dude is going to feast on slot corners, linebackers and safeties for the next 15 years. Um, John just made it clear that they want to add picks tomorrow. Um, Interesting. That is the key to maximizing this draft. So that changes some things. We were talking about 37, which makes me think they think makes me think that they believe that there is so much value still at 37 that they can probably go back to 45 44 and maybe get a late day three pick and then you can because i think we're kind of on the same page there's probably four real holes that we would love to see filled and they could do that yeah in that that scenario with an interior offensive line defensive tackle defensive end and then a linebacker interesting um so just looking at the trade value chart here real quick i want to bring up here, I'll share this too for the people on the live stream. Uh, let's go back to this. Sorry for those of you on the live stream who uh, had our technical difficulties. Uh, we are back. Thanks for hanging with us. So if Seattle were to slide back from 37, let's say he wants to add picks. How far? So let's look at the end of the third round. You're talking the point value of those picks is between 30 and 40 points. And Mm -hmm. so the value of Seattle's pick at 37 is 162. So you don't really, okay, it's better than I thought. You you don't have to slide back that far to still be able to get late third round value. So you're talking seven or eight picks. Yeah. So is there there anybody above us that is 100% like going to be on the Will Levis train or are we the team that can trade? I don't think so. Pittsburgh. Houston, nope. Arizona, nope. Indiana, nope. Rams, nope. We Rams, are, Rams. They, we, he runs. He ran the Rams scheme. Yeah, that's true. And they, and there's been some uh, talk of them being interested in Hendon Hook, Hooker too. And mm-hmm. I guess yeah, I was. That's little, another trade. See, there's that doesn't matter. You got two of them right there. You have two quarterbacks tomorrow, and so they may be able to be one of the teams in play for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh moved up to the first pick of the second round, they're not moving down from that. They're no. probably targeting someone. Um, and it's probably going to be John Michael Schmitz or Joe Tittman. Yep. 
Yep. I, I think they're going to take the best center on the board. Um, I'm not that concerned about that. As much as I love those top centers, I think there's value later on. I like Evan Brown. If that's what John Schneider says and that they're going to use those extra resources to address needs, I'm okay with that. So if they move back seven or eight picks, they can get a late third. That's interesting. Man, man if you could do that trade and still get either Keon White or Keanu Benton, I mean, you're, you're, you begin to really talk about this draft potentially being in the same breath as last year's. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Here's something else I wanted to look at too, while we're uh, just kind of live right here is, let me say, where can I find it? Oh, this is not great for the audio uh, people listening on only audio. Um, I'm trying to find what D Eskridge's cap number would be. Here it is. Uh, and it's not as good as I thought. Um, but it's still not insignificant. His cap number is 1.6 in his third year of his deal. Uh, you'd incur 845000 in dead money, and you would save 779000 mm. My thought was just that, look, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be your slot receiver next year. Mm-hmm. You know, does this maybe precipitate uh, an Eskridge release or trade? Um, in order to, to just save, you know, a few pennies and uh, get him off the roster if he's not going to be a contributor. Just a thought. We'll always have those two jet sweeps that went for nine yards and a concussion. <laughs> uh, apparently, according to ESPN, a toe injury that was problematic, they believe, is a main reason why Will Levis was not picked. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. So that was the that was the injury last year that they said mm-hmm. kind of um, played around his turf toe with his um, – that just seems odd though. You know, it's look, you either think the guy can be a franchise quarterback or you don't. Mm-hmm. And um, those guys usually are taken in the first round, even if you don't think they're going to play right away. Especially so, just that fifth year option. It's so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that neither he or hooker who was shown actually doing dropbacks today. Um, yeah. Interesting. So let me just say this. Let's, let's wrap up on this note. Mm-hmm. We've, we've looked at the picks in a vacuum. We've looked at, at them in the context of what needs are remaining and, and what they might be able to do moving forward. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good do you feel about the roster overall after today? Uh, I'd say an 8. Wow. Eight, eight and a half. You're, so uh, you're that confident that they're going to be able to address the defensive line? Yeah, I think there's... I know a lot of people want like that legitimate nose tackle like there's not many of those nose tackles and i think we're gonna like you were saying there's some hints that we're just gonna be a multiple defense that's probably what we are we're not gonna be a strict three four we're probably not gonna be a strict four three we're gonna be creative and stuff and so i think there's some bodies on there that we were looking at that there's probably one keanu benton and then there's probably a group of guys that would be decent value at 52 and then there's probably a small margin there around 83 so i think 52 is a spot that you can maybe push back a little bit and then we looked at those edges those defensive line guys on the the outside there's so much good looking stuff there that we we also got to remember we have dre jones one of the the best up-and-coming defensive tackles in football and yeah is he the run stuffing machine nose tackle guy no not necessarily he's a good run defender but there's that's i still think there's some avenues here and hearing john's john's interest in trading you know it's always stunning when he doesn't trade yeah that's just how we were kind of raised as seahawk fans yeah. and, Pete and i think he tried Garrett. like hell today 
And so I, I think there's a real strong possibility we trade back to the early to mid 40s, collect a late third or an early, early fourth. We still get one or two defensive front guys tomorrow and and possibly select an, an interior offensive guy. And who knows, maybe there's a the, the tight ends are falling and stuff. Maybe you can mess around and pick up a, a Laporta, a Sam yeah. Laporta from Iowa it's super late in the third. Like I still... I, there's still pass, you know, we could still sign an Al Woods and and things feel, feel a little bit better. I think everyone would feel a little bit better if we had Al Woods back here on a, on a $2 million deal type of a thing or even less. And so again, it's about this draft. You shouldn't base your entire franchise on one draft. I think, I I think you make a good point and that's, yes, we're ahead of schedule, but yeah, it's one thing I wanted to end on is I I know the cap space doesn't look great right now. And I know that, and this is one of the scary things, you know, John Schneider typically does not like to restructure deals. He doesn't like to convert bonus to or salary to bonus. He doesn't like to kick the can down the road and add void years. He may not have a choice this year because the, the money isn't there right now to sign the draft picks. And he's talked openly about free agency after the draft. And I believe, in fact, there was a report that Al Woods has an offer from Cleveland, but he has told them to wait. Uh, Pete has talked openly about how bad he wants Puna Ford back. I think there is a very real chance that they are expecting to make those moves after the draft. I think it's just, it's hard this time of year because... And the analogy is, I know you're a baseball guy, you host um, uh, a Mariners podcast. I think it's kind of um, analogous to a starting rotation. Like you can have five great starting or starting pitchers going into the season, but are you going to feel good about that? Or do you want seven or eight of them just mm-hmm. so you have that kind of depth? Yeah, yep. we're, we feel good about Draymond Jones, but... God, what if he tears an ACL in training camp? Like we have to have five or six really legitimate guys and we need to add some players next to him that have upside, that can be dynamic, that aren't just role players, that aren't just, you know, roster stuffers. And they have to have a plan in order to feel the freedom that they felt today to take Witherspoon and in Jigba and get out of the first round without addressing their biggest needs. They must have a plan. They must know they're not just throwing darts at a board. They're not just winging it. They're not. I cannot believe that because they believe that this team is close to contending. And I think the biggest piece of evidence about that is that they did not take a quarterback and they didn't, they could have traded up. They could have traded. They could have made a move. They could have taken Will Levis at five. They could have taken Hendon Hooker at 20. They believe in Geno Smith for now anyway. Right. Yeah. They believe that they can win now. And they they know we're not the we're not sitting at home talking about the defensive line and Schneider and Carroll are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like they fucking they know mm-hmm. they're going to bed tonight thinking about it. It's going the to top, be the top corner and the top receiver in this draft. And it's it's not yeah. close. No, it's not <clears> even <throat> close. they these are these are potential all pros. Mm-hmm. All pros. And, and five years from now, obviously this draft is going to be judged based on whether or not they win. This, this draft, fair or not, will be, will be judged on how they do as a whole. 
And if they don't execute the rest of this draft and the rest of this offseason and free agency properly and go out and win 10, 11, 12 games and put themselves in a contention window and challenge for Super Bowls over the next few years, people are going to look back and go, well, you probably shouldn't have taken a corner at five and a receiver at 20 yep. that one year you had extra picks. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and the craziest thing or the most interesting thing to watch in the next two seasons probably is there was three NFC teams that owned this draft that had, yeah. I want to talk uh, about this before we go. Yeah. Yeah. A crazy amount of assets and it's fascinating. And it'll be a great historical thing for us to look back on who won know, the draft. I know your answer, but who won the draft? Well, because three different teams did three different styles of drafting. Right. And, and I believe from the, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll, I'll give it a tie. All right. In the AFC mm-hmm. side, the Houston Texans won the draft. Oh, you got so the number one and number two player so on impressive. my big yep. board. And it cost you, think about it. It cost you only in reality, it cost you pick 33 and next year's first. Yeah. Okay. Look what the, the Denver Broncos gave you for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Okay. And yes, you had an idea of what he was, but CJ Stroud and Will Anderson going to Houston, that AFC South becomes brutal. I mean, looking at it now, it makes me almost wonder, you know, I'm, I'm happy with Devin Witherspoon, but man, if you could have gotten that first round pick from Tennessee, because things are looking real dark there yeah. for them in that division, especially with Anthony Richardson in, in, in Indianapolis. But from the NFC side, uh, for right now, I think the winner is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. And, and that's and, who and, I meant yeah. at the top of the show when they had the Seahawks draft, because so many mock drafts in the last couple of weeks, especially the days leading up to the draft, had the Seahawks taken Carter at five and Nolan Smith at 20. Georgia teammates, they fit two perfect needs. That would have been the ideal draft. If the Seahawks had taken Carter at five and Smith at 20, I think the fan base in Seattle was ready to accept the risk of Carter because of the talent. And everyone... I think the consensus would be that the Seahawks hit a fucking home run and won this draft. Yeah. I think the Seahawks, I'd say the approval rating is probably what? 75% for this draft. Oh, 70, 75%. I haven't I mean, been online. I bet it's closer to 60. I, I think there's some, I think there's, it's, it's very extreme in the, in the positive, mm-hmm. but I think, um, I think the Jalen Carter missed opportunity is something that Seahawks fans are really right. lamenting right now. And I think that there is that part that will sting if he if he's great, <clears throat> but I think getting Jackson Smith and Jigba is a big part of that sixty percent or that seventy percent. That's just because people just don't know who Devin Witherspoon is. Yeah. I think that's a really big. Whereas a lot of us here on the West Coast, we treat the Rose Bowl like it's a big fucking deal, right? right? And and two years ago, that was the first Rose Bowl I believe yeah. back post COVID, and he and CJ Stroud <laughs> put on a show, and I fell in love with yeah. CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith yeah. and Jigba that night, um, and so. Kind of getting back to what I was saying, like the Seahawks went the route of, you know, outside, non-trench, the best players that are not in the trenches yeah. to where we might have one of the best receiving cores in the NFC and we might have the best defensive backfield or secondary in the NFL or in the NFC in the next two years. The Philadelphia Eagles, there's no debate. They have the best front seven. <sighs> In the NFL, yeah, probably in the for sure the NFC and maybe even the NFL, and 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 obviously there's some stuff that's coming for them. You know, Jason Kelsey, how many more years does he have left? Uh, Fletcher Cox, what's what's he gonna be able to do? And and we'll see what ends up happening because you know Nolan Smith, 
could be great. He could be too small. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. You put him with Hassan Reddick, that's terrifying, yeah. right? Yeah. Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, we saw what they did in college football two years ago. Something not everybody really talks about, the Georgia defensive guys were pretty good in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say they came in and broke the doors down. Like the Eagles signed Indomitian Sue and uh, some other guy, I can't remember his name, instead of giving some of those postseason snaps to a Jordan Davis. So like, we'll see. Right. Yeah. But that, you know, me, I'm you and I, man, we're all about the trenches. We've, we spent many, many a nights talking about building up the trenches and there's still time to do that. But that's what Philly did. Yeah. And then you have the fucking Detroit lions that <sighs> thought that they're in the 1990s. They're in the 80s. What the hell man. were they thinking? So they go running Ground back and at, pound yeah. Dan Campbell biting fucking Four, calves off. So they go running back at 14. Was it? Uh, they went running back at 12. They, 12, they have, they 12. have Deandre Swift. They signed David Montgomery and they take Jameer Gibbs, a guy who was generally considered a late first, early second. And they take him 12th with all the needs they have on defense. And then they go a player that we love and would have fit mm-hmm. Seattle in the thirties or forties. They yeah. go, they go Jack Campbell. At Jack. Two of the positions that in the modern NFL have been deemed to have the lowest mm-hmm. draft value. You hate taking linebackers in the first round. And the Lions went running back, linebacker. Crazy. Un- unbelievable. They, they had, again, Lamar signed with the Ravens, so like it is what it is. But like you had a legit chance to have the number six overall pick and get Jalen Carter and go down that road of having Lamar Jackson as your quarterback yeah, for pick 18 and next year's first. Like, I know that's a hypothetical, even where they were, they could have paired Lucas Van Ness with Aiden Hutchinson or Will McDonald, or they could have added Christian Gonzalez. They could have added Kalijah Cansey to that group. They could have added Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's insane. And, and it goes back to where I'm pretty sure they were set at five on or at six on taking Witherspoon because they traded back so fast, so fast after we, we took a, um, Witherspoon. So I think they were set on that and they probably got a little flustered, but come on, you've got till pick 12. There's so many good routes. You could have gone at 12 and then, and then to 18 to take a guy that's 25 to 30 spots too high. Like Jack Campbell's great. PFF says he's a great coverage guy, but like, man, I think I'd probably still want to take like a a Henley over him in terms of just Mm. the modern NFL game and the stuff that they can do on the field. Yeah. Like we talked about it this year, the NFC, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Tom Brady's gone. Brock Purdy's arm is still laying on Lincoln Financial Field. Um, Trey Lance, they can't trade him for anything. We're looking at an NFC West with a Matt Stafford that doesn't really want to play. Yeah, Kyler Murray might be back by Christmas, but probably not because their season will be over. A a Sam Darnold starting for the 49ers. Yeah. The, the second and third best quarterbacks in the NFC behind Jalen Hurts is – Gino, Dak, and Kirk Cousins. We saw Kirk Cousins on fourth and seven throw like a three yard out in the playoffs when the game was on the line. He right. is who he is. Like yeah. there was a path there for the Eagles to separate from everyone else, the Lions and Seahawks to catch up. Yeah. To their respective win their division or potentially even the Eagles. And I feel like the Seahawks got better. I feel like the Eagles got a little bit better than the Seahawks got better, which is a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. And then I think the lions, 
I thought for sure, I think I told you before, I think I made jokes a bunch of times about the Seahawks Lions NFC championship and how much fun that's going to be. Um, but I, I, for right now, I still, I, now I think that the, the Vikings are, I'd still take the Vikings over the lions next season. Yeah. I just, I just was, I was stunned by that draft. That was an archaic draft and maybe you and I are wrong. Maybe Jameer Gibbs is the next, you know, I don't know, CJ 2k and Jack Campbell's the next Brian Erlacher, but I don't, I don't think that's going to end well for, for them. I think they had a moment in time where they could have legitimately made like a legitimate run to a Super Bowl, which you and I have never seen even come close really, yeah. you know, and, and I think they really blew it. Well, today was fun and yeah. it was interesting and it was surprising and it was impactful and it was dramatic and, um, tomorrow, you know, maybe today was the day about making a splash, right. And, uh, mm-hmm. taking BPA and, and those are some exciting players And this. This is what I told my friend, Eric, who called me, who hated everything we did, hated the process, was scared to death about the, the shape of the roster. And I said, look, I said, there are, here's my take at the end of day one there are still significant questions about the roster and some significant additions need to be made in order to feel good about this roster being a contender in the NFC. But there's still resources and time to take care of those issues. And there is no doubt that when you look at what that, when you look at the team that takes the field next year, you're going to enjoy watching Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba play for the CLC Hawks and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch and, but there's still work to be done. There's heavy lifting to be done. Mm. It's like, it's like they, they put on the cute outfit today to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Now they need to go and get the workout in and do the heavy lifting. Yeah. And it's an exciting opportunity, man, Two top picks in the top 52 at 37 and 52. Like there's a real chance tomorrow night, you and I, text each other and we're like okay all right like i think we might be the best team in the nfc west or have a legitimate shot at the 49ers i hope so and and, and, and i mean attack attack the trenches man attack the trenches tomorrow and the entire seahawk fan base will feel so much more secure after after what we did tonight which was so rare and so unique it was fun it was a blast absolutely well thanks for coming on man it's been a long day it's been a long six months um tomorrow uh, early in the day, I'm going to do a quick, uh, I'm going to do a remock and, uh, you know, all the simulators update tonight. So that'll be fun to play around with some of the best available and some of the things that might happen tomorrow. Uh, so look for that. And then, uh, I'll do a rapid reaction show after tomorrow. If my voice holds out, thank you, Michael Thompson, 12th man rising, make sure and keep an eye on them that website for his analysis afterwards and uh, follow me on Twitter at Seahawks forever. Everybody get some rest. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to hydrate. Hopefully I can talk tomorrow. Thanks for joining me. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.